Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rain Stop Play. Thank you very much for joining us uh, and you join us for a quick summary and look ahead um, for the England T20 men's team uh, and this upcoming World Cup. We've just had the end of a fantastic Pakistan series, uh, which ended uh, 4-3 in England's favour in the end. Uh, so we're going to reflect on the three games we missed since we were last on last week and look ahead to England's very short series against Australia prior to the World Cup. Um, so a lot ahead in the next 30 or 45 minutes. Uh, it's just me and Glenn this week, back to the old school days, especially because I haven't been on for a long time, maybe eight weeks plus. I've been gallivanting around uh, most of America. Uh, but Glenn, how are you? Good to speak to you again. Last time yeah. we spoke, we were in person in, in your flat in Iowa. Yeah, and you can see it. You can see it in the background. Um, yeah, it feels like you'd uh, almost retired from the pod down. Well <laughs> I'm back. back. I'm back. I'm back. Ready to go. Ready for exciting winter of cricket um and i loved last week's pod and, and this this pod for people who listened last week is pretty much a roll on from there uh we left the series at 2-2 uh pakistan versus england and we finished here saturday uh, at 4-3 to england in the end stunning series um for those of you who missed it pakistan won the 50-20 to go 3-2 up uh, they went by six runs and then england won the sixth and seventh t20s uh by eight wickets and by 67 runs, respectively. Um, Hamad sat on the fence last week, which was fine, but he technically got it right. I I agreed with both Hamad and Zach that this would go down to that last game. It just felt like it was right. Uh, Zach did stick his neck out and say 4-3 to England, which was correct. Um, I don't want to on last week's pod too much, Glenn, but just an awesome series, right, in in general uh, context. And You did some seven-match T20 discourse chat. Seems people have quite enjoyed it. I wouldn't want them all the time, but it's nice every now and again, isn't it? And it was just good to have England in Pakistan playing some fun cricket against a good team. Definitely. I just, yeah, I just can't believe that this series, right? This seven game series went right down to the wire. It was 3 3. And not only that, right, Dan, it swung back and forth. It wasn't as if maybe it was 3 0 to one side and then the other one 3 0, right? But it was just like it was, it was seesawing the entire, um, the entire series and it's great that England managed to see at home with those two wins so coming into the final two games obviously there's pressure on England especially that sixth one because they had to to win that to be in a chance of a series victory so for England to do that you know away from home in testing conditions uh, against a pretty formidable Pakistan team who I think across the series weren't at their best it's fair to say I think Pakistan will need to go up a few gears as will England, to be fair, um, to really challenge for a spot um, uh, for a spot in, you know, the top two. I think 
we had a lot of people who expected to do well probably do that but then maybe especially for Pakistan that middle order as Hamad said you know we're going Mm. through it on the last podcast really didn't seem particularly convincing in terms of maybe personnel in terms of form uh, in terms of consistency right Dan it seemed to be a real uh, kind of all sorts a real mixed bag that that middle order of Pakistan that's the area of concern and again probably apart from um, apart from Ralph I think he was probably one of the if not arguably maybe one of the only standout bowlers for them, which is pretty disappointing. Uh, I mean, especially look at the figures from those last couple of games. England, I mean, what troubled England most uh, right down, especially in the last game, was their own running. That seemed to be their, <laughs> one of their biggest obstacles. They seem to have adapted really well to the conditions at the point of those final couple of games. Um, again, you know, winning a couple on the bounce was awesome. But yeah, I mean, Ralph and, I mean, arguably the openers, but we know... We know how good they are for Pakistan, and there is question marks about the strike rate, especially of Rizwan. I mean, I, I, I would just, I just love to see 60, 70 runs on the board from an opener, even at you know 130 odd strike rate. I, I'm not a huge fan of that discourse because he's scoring runs, right? <laughs> and- yeah, neither am I. I don't get it. it feels like uh, they're getting their knickers in a twist about something they really shouldn't be at the minute. Like, there's so many other worries that you're complaining about your opener getting runs. Like, uh, focus on a little bit more, right? I think hearing this from Pakistan fans is, is a bit strange, but I think they just expect more from Wizwan because they know he can. I, I see the frustration. I, I think that's it. I think it's because it's a batter of his of his caliber, right? It's a batter of his talent. But at the same time, I mean, he's still scoring an absolute stack of runs, right? No. So it's like it is, yeah, it it is a tricky one. Um, yeah, just want to look at um his figures across the series. So six matches, three hundred and sixteen runs, an average of sixty three. I mean, his strike rate down was nearly one forty. It was one hundred thirty eight point five, and a majestic high score of eighty eight, which must have been in that amazing game when him yeah. and Baba just put England to the sword. Um. So, yeah, I mean, even, you know, the wisdom ratings I'm looking at, Ben Gardner's, who are always excellent after a series. You know, he says, you know, at times you could criticise the scoring rate, but at others you could only marvel at the stroke play. And I think that's like a perfect summary, right? It wasn't always perfect speed-wise, but he picked up a stack of runs. And what, an average of 63? You want to complain about that? Absolutely no chance. Honestly, it just feels like a waste of time and energy doing that, I think, from their perspective, when there is so much to worry about, especially that middle order who kept running themselves out in that in that fifth T20, um, some real bizarre situations there. Um, and when they when the Opens do fall early, as they did in that seventh T20, the run chase feels like it's over, or whatever target they set feels like it's pretty much over. So a lot more to work on there. And, and to your point a bit earlier about these two teams in context of the World Cup coming up, I, I agree that I don't think either of them are in the top two yet. I think the fact this series was 4-3 shows that on their day, the team is good. Can they put a run together in knockout tournament style? I don't know. It's good news for England winning two on the spin um, in that in that vein of form because they were both knockout games effectively. You know, lose that and, and you're out of this series as it were. So I think that was good mental preparation. I definitely feel like England have learned a lot more about their squad than Pakistan have. Would you agree with that? We've, we've been lucky that we've had a couple of guys stick their neck out and go, right, put me in this starting eleven. And that, like Harry Brook, for example, that's a decision made already, which is so probably relieving for that England setup going into this. That, that feels like a lot less for Pakistan. Um, they've got a few games against New Zealand for the World Cup, but they've still got a lot more to work out, I would suggest. 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think one of my standout players of the series, probably my two equal like breakouts, you could say, um, would be Harry Brook, as you as you rightly mentioned. You know, he played all seven matches, which was fantastic. They committed to him, which I think was a really smart idea by the selectors. Uh, two hundred thirty-eight runs, an average of just a shade under eighty at seventy-nine. Um, and this is the thing. This is the difference. Maybe this is what you know. I can see where the Pakistan fans are coming at to an extent. I know they play different positions in the batting order, but Harry Brook for his 238 runs has a strike rate of 163. So he wasn't messing around. So he's coming in and just pretty much blasting it from not maybe quite ball one, but very close to that. So he was a breakout. But I think the player that I was most impressed with uh, was Ben Duckett. Um, so he'd only played the single uh, international T20 before this series. You wouldn't have known it from the way he played. He played with complete authority, confidence. He looked like one of the most experienced players right down of the entire team, the way he would come in. Um, his sweeping was remarkable, the way he played the spinners. And this is it. There's a Pakistan team full of, you know, well, in theory, very good spinners. But I think the spinning across both sides, it wasn't Rashid's best series by any by any means. But I think spin struggled more than perhaps we thought. Um, but the way Duckett, you know, reverse swept was fantastic. Made double figures in every single innings. Um, and again, you know, as as uh, as, as Wisdom note, he was only actually dismissed um, for less than 30 twice. I mean, that is Mr. Consistent. Mm. Um, and I really hope he manages to get into this team again. I think Zach mentioned on on, on a recent pod, it might have been the last one, some interesting technicalities about maybe it's slightly difficult if you're not in the original squad to come in now if there's not an injury, which does seem perplexing. It does to me, Dan, make a bit of a mockery of the point of these games, <laughs> which is not just for your established stars to get into some form, but it's for some other players to really elbow their way in as well. And that kind of forecloses on that potentially, which is a bit right. frustrating. Yeah, I uh, don't get it at all. I don't, I don't get it. What I don't understand why it's so locked off. What, if I was, uh, yeah. Some sort of uh, bureaucratic thing, probably, isn't it? But they've it selected this squad, it. and now you have to have an injury for him to come in or, or something like that, which we wouldn't want. Uh, again, we'll come on to our starting 11s for the World Cup, I think, uh, later in the pod. But um, he probably wouldn't be in them. But as a travelling reserve, if someone suddenly falls out <laughs> of Nick during this... Uh, if someone suddenly falls out of Nick during the World Cup, uh, you know, they're not injured, we can't call on them. So um, it was amazing. And coming in at four the way he did as well, I think he really suited that position. He doesn't get bogged down. He can, you know, if, if two drop early... He can score, you know, 100 to 120 and just, just settle down again. If he's coming in a bit later, you know, 10 to 15 overs, he can start quickly as well. Um, and coming in when he does playing spin so well in those middle in those middle overs um, is so, so useful. Um, and it was just weird seeing him and uh, Alex Hales playing in the same team very briefly because it, it was like 2016 all over again. <laughs> it was quite funny. It um, was. It was. Such a, stand, such a standout for him. I, I agree. And it is a shame that he's not in the squad. But... You know, post-World Cup, you can probably see a place for him a bit more consistently. I don't know. But with Stokes and Bairstow eventually coming back, he feels going to be hard for him to worm his way in there. Maybe there's a spot in the test team for him. Not not off this performance by any means. I know there's been chat about him coming in before to the test team because of his county form. But, you know, he wears the England shirt well. He's clearly not overall by the situation um, and one to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah, and Ben Gardner quite rightly pointed uh, to the ODI team as well. Maybe like mm. the middle ground there, best of both worlds. Um, and there's the well, he'd upcoming... be great. He'd be great for that again in that that four or five spot. Mm. World Cup in India coming up next year. I think he's. I'd love to see. Uh, yeah, again, you know, particular conditions. Sometimes a player can just excel in a particular 
time span in a particular location, but I feel like he showed enough quality with the bat to really stake his claim. He was outstanding. Uh, should we talk about the openers really briefly? Because Absolutely. after Hales's early 50, I think that was in the first T20, going back how many months ago that was, I was like, cool, right, back in, sorted. He then just went a bit quiet. Um, 27 off 12 in, in the sixth was handy. And a couple of the scores here and there. He was rotated to give a couple of lads a go. Um, but then Phil Salt came in again in that sixth T20 where England chased 170 really quickly, I think within 15 overs. Uh, 88 off 41 balls. Um, we've always known he's got that in his locker. He's got an ODI century under his belt. Uh, and it was good to see it in a T20 in an England shirt. Um, and for me, and that this is, this feels like recency bias, for me, he probably opens with Butler. But, you know, I really don't... I, I, I'm not that committed to a side, I don't think, Glenn. Are you either way on Hales or Salt uh, accompanying Butler? So yeah, when I when I filled out you know on the on the BBC Sport page you know your team picker for the first game of the World Cup versus Afghanistan that was probably the decision I took I took longest to to kind of get to the conclusion of I was just staring at it for for a while and the one factor that won me over so as you said you know Phil, Phil Salt had an excellent end to the series he's clearly a quality batsman he'll do a very competent job if if he is given the opening spot and. Overall, I think he probably had a more impressive series than Hales, purely because of that 80, 88. It was match-winning 88. His his average across the series was 27, whereas Hales was closer, I think, to about 22. So you know, but the other thing is, you know, he was given he was given all seven games, which can only help. Uh, you know, he really racked up his biggest score towards the end of the series, as you said. Yeah. But what just pushes me to Hales, I think, at least for the first game is um it's the conditions you know Hales has been smashing it in the big bash for years he is one of the big bashes most consistent opening players and i just can't look past that i don't think they've got okay bottom line right down this series they've both got one half century to their name again but you know again salts was more impressive was you know more, more of a match winning knock etc etc that's fine but in the you know in the hard light of day they've both got 150 they've both got an average in the 20s again there's a sliding scale here but in the 20s um strike rates i imagine are pretty similar i mean to be fair to salt it's a significantly higher 157 compared to about 141 so um to, sorry yeah to salt so salt had a better series but I think Hales will just do better in the conditions, and that's why I yeah. would put him in my first my first team. I, th- I think you really have to factor that in, actually, uh, his form in Australia and his history in Australia when you've had a series where there have been six or one half dozen the other, you know, just in Salt's favour, really. Um, and, you know, he's done it for England before. He's played a lot more games for England. Um, you know, I'm guessing they're settled with him as part of the squad now. His fielding's not too sharp. Alex Hales loves, loves a couple of drop catches. And, you know, England are sticklers for a good fielder. So, you know, in such a tight decision, do you think that might affect uh, who they go for in the end? Uh, I think it will. I think it should. And I do think it will. That's where I think the Australia um, series got a couple of games coming up. As you reminded yeah. me before we hit record, uh, Dan, <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. It's easy to get lost uh, in the, uh, the the depths of international cricket. That we're... It is. Um, and I'll be interested, to, again, to see what, team has played for that you'd think with three games left until the until the tournament you want to be playing your best 11 yeah i I just want to see butler with a bat in his hand again just to just to yeah he's like the mascot wasn't he in pakistan it was quite nice to see him around i know it's good that he was there at least you know with with the boys but it would be nice just to watch him bat again not that you'd ever drop him but give him a few games to get his eye in again so you suspect yeah he he goes as well for for all three 
I think so. And I think it's, it's interesting you point out the, the drops because I thought that even watching, I didn't catch as much of the series as I'd like with the time difference. But watching it, I mean, even from the limited amount I saw live, not highlights, I saw him shell a few and they were sitters. And I yeah, think I there's can a think of three. There's yeah, one mid on that was like just so easy that he just shelled. It was just kind shelled. of embarrassing. And those are the fine margins, cliched as it might be, uh, which cost you games in a World mm. Cup. Um, and it's also just not the attitude. You, you really you, you pointed to it really nicely. It's just not the attitude this particular England team want. Not to say that teams encourage drops, but you know what I mean. Some teams are sticklers. Some teams are like, well, you know, catches go down. England are more sticklers. I think they are. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a discipline. It's just discipline, isn't it? Like taking catches, sort of concentration. Thing. And yeah, it just shows right. that he's not. He's not. For whatever reason, if you're dropping catches that easy, your mind is not a hundred percent on your fielding, and it has to be at this level. It has to yeah. be. So that's a black. That's a black rock against him, and we will, we will we will see. It won't be the deciding factor, is all I can imagine. No. But I think it will be in the back of the selectors' minds. Yeah, definitely. And then you know who is Josh Butler as captain, most comfortable opening the batting with? That's got to be part of it as well. Um, so a lot to see, and we've got these three more games where maybe they'll rotate them, or maybe they've already made their mind up and they'll give whoever that man is three games alongside Butler. And I think one final thing on this, because um, it's, you know, it's it's an interesting debate, but, you know, that we, we've probably covered most of it now, but keeping as well, right? Uh, BBC Sport piece we both read um, just last night, I think it came out, which was really good, looking at England's conundrums um, by Timothy Abraham. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, yeah, they were saying, well, listen, it also depends if, if Butler's going to keep or not. I'm going to assume, I think, as the author does towards the end, that we think Butler is going to keep. But if he wasn't, if he didn't want to or if he wanted the option of someone else, well, well Phil Salt's your man. He can open yeah. and keep. And, and then that's a huge tick. So you've got, you've got it's kind of disjointed because you've got Phil, you've got um, Hales as a shoddy outfielder. And then you've got Salt as a really very, very decent, uh, consistent wicketkeeper. That's that's a world of difference yeah. if you think about the option that gives you as a team. It'd be fascinating to see where they go with it. And what quickly on this last bit, uh, I think Zach mentioned it last week uh, in last week's pod. Uh, you could promote Darren Milan. I know Zach likes the old left-hand, right-hand. Uh, he did it for the Trent Rockets, etc. I see the argument. I just don't buy it at all. He's fine at three, does his job at three. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess around with it too much. It's got no legs for me. I don't know if you agree or not, Glenn. Yeah, I I I I see what he's getting at, and uh, it's actually nice to see Milan get a big score. Uh, final game of the mm. of the series, you know, very very good. Seventy eight of just forty seven balls looked looked really elegant after running his mate out, which was quite funny. After really throwing oh, salt under this, the bus, that was a, that was really a disgusting was... run out. That he called him through, just run, big man, just run. Oh, he just didn't fancy it. Didn't uh, think it did he? It was oh. really poor, especially as salt had just hit, as he always does. Seems he just hit the ground running. Um, anyway, he made up for it in the best way possible, which is runs on the board, right? So I'm glad he did. I just like him at three because he does have. A 78 and 47 in his locker. He also has, he had like a running runnable 30 two games prior to that. Not that that's what you want, but he has it in his game to adapt if need be, if conditions yep, are looking tough. Agreed. So, I, and listen, listen, in Salt and Hales, you've got two exceptionally, you know, aggressive batsmen who get you off to a lightning start. I don't see why you'd mess around and, and leave one of them out just for the sake of getting Milan to open. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, cool. Should we quickly move on to the bowlers before we finish part one? Absolutely. Because um, England experimented well. Um, They've successfully reintegrated Mark Wood and Chris Wokes, which is fantastic. Wokes finishing with three for yesterday in the final T20. I don't know about you, but I forget how effective he is in T20s, to be fair. Um, and has definitely thrown his hat into the ring, if not, it's already cemented in uh, for that position. Um, 
with, with Livingston likely not making the first few games of the World Cup, we think at, at the time of recording, it sort of opens up, up opens up a position for someone like Sam Curran or Willie uh, or Wokes himself, or and we got to remember Chris Jordan as well as obviously in the squad to come in at, at seven, a slightly promoted seven uh, below Moeen Ali. I don't know who you would go for. I, I don't know. I don't know who I like the most out of all of these because you got they're all different types of bowlers. I think Jordan gets the edge with his death bowling. I know Zach said this last week. The likes of Willie, the likes of Willie and Wokes, you almost want to bowl there again. I think I'm repeating Zach's point to extend, but you want to bowl there over early while the ball while it's swinging a little bit. They might only bowl two or three, and he doesn't bowl again. They don't bowl again to the death. Uh, you got Sam Curran as well, who, who can bowl at the death, but can be expensive. They all offer something with the bat, which is also handy. Um, so aside, I think, from Topley and Wood, who I think we all want in our starting 11s, there's a bit, there's a couple of spots open, I think. I don't know who you think grabbed that or, or stands out the most for you out of those players. I think the problem for players like David Willey is that they just didn't quite grab it. Maybe the way they had to, to yeah. really cement they that Had to place. really stun rather than like, you know, do a job as they regularly do. Yeah. And I put Wokes into the, into my team and we'll get to that in a few moments. Uh, again, a bit of recency bias, actually similar, similar yeah. to you uh, with Sol. I just, you know, he, he, he was, he was lethal in the, in the final game, um, especially getting Baba early. But um, I, I mean, conditions can come into this. I think it's good that we have, Players that are clearly going to do a very solid job, like as you said, your Willie, your Curran, um, Jordan. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe I'd, maybe I'd lean Jordan. Um, I just, he just feels like it. Just feels like he hasn't been maybe quite himself for England recently. Uh, I'm trying to think of recent moments where I've just been, you know, stunned by any of these players, and they've all had highs, but I think they've all kind of potentially struggled to keep that super consistent. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I think that's a question mark, right, Dan? I think we'll. Um, I think this is hopefully something that the Aussie three games helps helps just figure out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, agreed, and then totally different conditions as well. Uh than Pakistan, so I don't, I don't know who's more suited there. We'll, we'll see in these three games, won't we, I guess. Absolutely. Um, final one in the series, Glenn. It was just good. For, it was fun, wasn't it? It was, it was fun. Um, enjoy the narrative. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Building, enjoyed both teams being rubbish one day and then really good the next. But generally, I, that's why I think neither of these guys will be lifting the World Cup in a couple of weeks' time. Um... And I'm excited for the test series now, simply because I just enjoyed, I enjoy the time zone for us really in brilliant. the UK. It's good, and um, I'm in, I'm in looking forward to those narratives even more as well. So well done, Pakistan, uh, and thank you for having us back after 17 years, um, and a successful T20 series. And we look ahead to that Australia one. Um, we'll end part one there. We'll come back in part two. Look ahead slightly to Australia series, and me and Glenn have got our 11s then for that first World Cup game for England against Afghanistan. We'll see you in a second. Hello and welcome back to part two uh, of this week's episode of Rain Stop Play. So Pakistan series in the bag. Nice little win for England. Um, shout out to Moeen Ali, actually. I think we forgot to shout him out. His captaincy across the seven games. Like the fact we didn't mention the captaincy shows he did a really good job. Do you know what I mean? Ben? He didn't like, there were no absolute glaring errors. Like goalkeeper. Like a goalkeeper playing well. Exactly. You don't want to mention your goalkeeper. You want to just win the series and not have to talk about your captain and the decisions he made. Um, so well done, Moeen, and, and some good individual performances with the bat as well. Okay. Um, World Cup coming up, Glenn. We've got the squad. We've got a team. We're now... I'm in full T20 mode now mentally after those seven games. I can't even think about what the test discourse even was um, a few weeks ago. I've forgotten about it entirely. So this is a perfect time to talk about starting 11s as we love to do. Um, I'll link this in the description. There's a BBC article uh, released today sort of talking about the decisions that England have left to make. Um, and there's probably you know, three or four conundrums um, and who they're going to bring in and, and reintegrating Stokes and Butler, et cetera, et cetera. So we've decided to use the little tool at the bottom to select our 11 for the first game against Afghanistan on the 22nd of October. That is closing in rapidly. And let's do it, Glenn. Let's hear your 11 then. All right. Um, yeah, I will slightly preface this with that it's one of those tools where it kind of auto generates names in particular positions, right? And yeah, it's you lovely. Can't, you can't promote Sam Curran's opening on this tool, unfortunately. Right. As much as I know you'd love to, Glenn. I think there was maybe an issue or two, maybe just in the middle order where I couldn't maybe quite get the name I wanted to in there. But this is a team I'd be quite happy. And maybe I haven't quite got the bank order itself right. But this is a team I'd be quite happy to see um, playing yeah. in the first game. Um, so going down the batting order, 1 to 11. Alex Hales, Josh Butler, Darred Milan, Harry Brook, Ben Stokes, Moe Nally, Chris Wokes, David Willey, Adil Rashid, Mark Wood, Reese Topley. Um, and Livingston would come in for one of Wokes or Willey as soon as he is fit. And that yeah. really bolsters it a bit, I think. I feel like maybe two of them might be overkill, and I'm more than happy, to, you know, Jordan or someone else to come in there. It does feel a little bit maybe same, maybe same-ish, but... Um, but I do think Livingston will be a game changer in that in that eleven. Yeah, we are we are prefacing this chat with presuming Livingston's out for this specific game, and I'm I'm in agreement. Again, I've got two of those bowlers in quotation marks that sort of come in at seven or eight that I would very quickly remove one off to bring Livingston in. So we're definitely in agreement there. A um, couple of differences in mind then. So I've also got Butler opening. I've gone I've gone with Salt for a recency bias move. 
Uh, Milan at three. I got Stokes at four and Brook at five, um, simply because Brook's been at five for this series. So I'll just leave him there. Uh, Moeen at six, who I would have at seven if Livingston was playing, obviously. I've then gone Curran, Wokes, Rashid, and we've both got Wood and Topley. So I think you've gone for Willie over Curran, and I've gone Curran, and you've gone Hales over Salt. I've gone Salt. So those are the two differences there. Yeah, yeah, and I would. I knew there was something in my head. Yeah, the uh, the the Brook and Stokes, although whoever would be four, but Brook at five, absolutely agree. That well, was I something mean, I was trying a, to figure out. A really out. interesting one, I think Hamad made this point last week, is that, you know, why don't we start thinking about a top seven as a much more fluid situation? You know, if if, if the spin is working us over, you bring Moeen in at four for all I care. You know, the greatest striker in world it. cricket at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. We, we need someone to roll an ankle or something or go play golf and do something so we can bring Duckett in. Preferably not someone really important, but um, I think we're in agreement there. It's just a tricky one with the bowling situation because, as you said, is it a bit samey? You know, we've got Curran, Topley, Willies as left arm overs who are very useful. And I think mm-hmm. what's happened with Chris Jordan not playing in this Pakistan series is we've all forgotten about him. Um, I think he was injured. I couldn't actually tell you. I'm guessing they arrested him. But... Um, Providing he played Chris Jordan, this is providing he plays the uh, three T20s against Australia and does a job. I can see him just coming straight back in because out of all these guys, he's come to be the best death bowler. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I think yeah, it's just it's just there's just a couple of question marks right down. I guess yeah, I guess maybe here's a, here, here's a question for you, just to slightly abridge it. If everybody who could be fit for just this tournament you know, in, in that kind of context, not your archers and, and, and ghosts like that. But who, what, what what would change? Would it be Livingston in and anyone else? Is he is he the only kind of main fitness? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Just because Curran at seven feels a bit high. I know he can bat and he like opens or comes in at three for for Chennai or whatever IPL team he's at. And for Surrey and for the Open Invincibles, he does the same. It just feels a bit high. So I, I like Moeen at seven a lot more uh, for the balance of this team. Otherwise, no, I'm, I'm pretty content with that. I, I almost think Johnny Bairstow's absence is has removed a headache. I don't know how the heck we'd fit him in. I guess he'd be opening, wouldn't he? I'd open with and, him. And we wouldn't even be having this debate with Sultan Hales. So, <laughs> one, one leads to another or closes another. That's, yeah, that's the way exactly. it goes, right? It's so true. We, wouldn't be, we, we would have lost some pod content at the top if, if Bairstow was fit. <laughs> um, and maybe we're debating Milan's position then if Bairstow's playing. So, so no, this is pretty much as good as we've got at the minute, I think. Um and I'm, I'm okay with it. I definitely have, for some reason, I have less hope than I did this time last year. I don't know why, because personnel-wise, this is very similar. Uh, but yeah, bring Livingston in for, in both of our teams for one of those left armors, and you've got our full-strength 11, I think. Yeah, I like that. So that's that's kind of, I know you just kind of said you weren't too sure, but I, I was going to ask you, Dan. I feel kind of the same. I think this is a quality side, but it just, maybe because of our kind of, shoddy run of limited overs cricket over the summer i think that might be a little bit more etched in our minds the irony as we've said before of everyone said the test team soaring while the you can't have a good test team and limited overs side but dan what because i feel the same i i i i'm anticipating this world cup i think it's in a it's in a cracking location i mean i almost wish it was in pakistan after this series but it's nonetheless yeah. it's, in a, it's in a cracking location um pitch is going to be hard it's going to be exciting entertaining big bash-esque cricket but I just don't know if I see this to England team, you know, much, much like the World Cup in a couple of months of the football, really thriving at all. What, what, what are the kind? What, what are the 
question marks in your mind or, or you know what, what is maybe giving us this I feel like shared feeling of just not trepidation per se but just like oh I just feel like I'm at a six out of ten for this agreed whereas like That's... since since the 2019 World Cup and even at that World Cup Price was winning it we were like we were eight and nines out of tens very limited over yeah, uh, World we'll Cup just, we've had but we've just dropped down two points do you think do you think maybe Bearstow and Archer and this is just a more dangerous team just, oh my gosh so I, yeah. I mean every and don't give me not, not to get hung up on the Archer debate every team right down every team and every format is going to have a key player injured at any given time so we'll keep this in mind but I just feel like you know this Archer Bearstow there's just is there a bit of star factor missing I don't think it's I don't think it's personnel per se because we've got Mark Wood bowling 95 mile an hour. Quickest over um, ever recorded for England. Was it really? I didn't that's know what, that. That's what we've, that was the speculation I was reading. And my guy was on, you know, that video of him over the summer on anaesthetic saying, I'm going to ball fast still, aren't I? And he did. And he did. And he's got he's his elbows him. falling off. He's still bowling 95. So we've got him. that. We've got Reese Topley out of nowhere, which, which feels like a nice little bonus that nobody expected two or three years ago, right? Uh, we've still got Adil Rashid slightly out of form, but not, he's still Adil Rashid. That's that's maybe Rashid. So maybe maybe there's powers this summer. Okay, so so let's let's keep this analogy going. If we're coming into tournaments nine out of ten, Adil Rashid's form knocks like 0.5 or one off that vibe. So say we're now down at eight or ten. And the reason I don't think it's personnel is I think we don't take power play wickets as much as um, we'd like to. It's got better over the years in the first six. I think it's the death bowling. I just, I just, I've got too many memories of that West Indies series in March, um, the home limited over series where we're not locking up teams at the death. Um, and that's where Chris Jordan's form is essential really, isn't it? Cause looking at my team, there's no death bowlers in here. I uh, couldn't agree more. And even that West Indies series, I know that was, you know, maybe a bit of a turning point for this limited over side. Um, uh, Maybe one of those kind of conjunctures where you're like, wow, there was a real shift there. But yeah, we've had a succession of really and, you know, not to say anything about uh, not to ignore the fact that we won this series and played great cricket as to Pakistan. But we still won it, which is fantastic. But we did have a run of just maybe losing or underperforming right down in series. You'd expect us to at least play well. At. I'm not expecting this to, you know, English arrogance to beat every team. Not at all. But I'm just saying the performances didn't really match our expectations, I think, for a team full of this talent. Yeah, and it's just knocked a bit of vibes off, I, I would suggest. And, you know, even the game where we were chasing 145 and like lost three wickets in the power play, and you're thinking that's just a poor bit of game management. And, you know, you do that in a World Cup and you're out. And we did that in the last World Cup and we shouldn't have lost that semi-final. I think that's where this is coming from. Just a couple of situations where it's not a personnel thing, where this team has just got themselves into a bit of a hole out of nowhere. And you're thinking, could that happen again? Um that's where, because I mean, I'm looking at these players in front of me again. I'm thinking, you know, you got Butler opening great, Milan ranked number one or two or whatever, who's a really useful number three. Frustrating at times, yes, but on the whole, you know, nine times out of ten, very useful at what he does. Um, maybe here's one the integration of Ben Stokes. Um, you know, how's that going to work? Sat at four, isn't he, is he more of an opener or do you want to leave him as a finisher? How useful it is always going to be. Um, perhaps, th- perhaps this is it. There's just a couple of guys whose roles aren't cemented. Yeah. So you know who is our number seven or eight in this case? Is how Fitz Livingston going to be? Uh, how Stokes is formed? How does he fit into this team anymore? You know. Whereas 
2019 World Cup, everyone knew their role to a T. You know, Plunkett in the middle overs, uh, Roy and Bairstow at the top going mad. That's maybe why, as opposed to, oh, we're missing X or Y, or we're out of Nick. It's just a few too many question marks. I think it's this collective, this collective, um, I guess, situation. I, I couldn't agree more, Dan. I think, yes, it's, it feels to some extent maybe it's a bit more of a group of individuals not in the sense that they don't care about the team or there's not team spirit but individuals where they just don't know their role in this greater you know that we've all got parts of a machine and we're just not quite sure the best way to assemble them right and i think especially the middle order question marks everywhere and i, I like your idea the easy the easy way and i'm sure you just move on in a second but the easy way just to step back and just make peace with this is suge- like you know her suggestion let's, let's have this floating middle order right. doesn't really matter who's where but i i don't know if that's sustainable across a whole across a whole tournament no that will start to get really confusing it will get confusing because you'll have liam livingston coming in fit he pops up at four for some reason moeen's Four one game, five one at six other. You know what I mean? Like obviously, you know, a bit tongue in cheek there. But I, 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 yeah, that's exactly it. I am excited, Dan. I think the first game will really hopefully ease some of these concerns. I can't wait to see our first eleven for our first game of the yeah. World Cup. I just want to see Ben Stokes play a T twenty again. I've for England. I've just forgotten, you know, months what, and months I've just and forgotten months. what he does for this team. I'm not doubting him. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in this team. I just forget how it all fits in there. And as a fan, I'm like, right, he's coming in at four. What's he doing? Is he going to tee up? Is he fin- You know. That's where I'm a bit at. How many overs do we get out of him? If any, we don't actually need them with the wealth of bowling. I've got, I'm looking at it in front of me here. You know, if you've got Stokes, Livingston, Moeen at four, five, six, or or probably more like four, six, seven, or, or whatever it might be with, with Brooke in the middle of them, you don't actually have to get any overs out of them, which is fine, which is great, but we can have them. That's a good thing. But yeah, I think it's just these question marks about it. And I'll be honest, I've still got a sour taste in my mouth from the the World Cup last year. I think that's where it mostly is. So you add that with like the success, not not like the the consistent success we're used to with England white ball teams over the last year in um, uh, international series, home and away. And you get this sort of like, mm, I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. It, no, I I'm agree. Not, and I'm not fully aware of the form of the other teams in, in international cricket at the minute. I don't watch enough of it if England aren't playing. I know Pakistan are beatable. We've just watched that. I don't think they're going to go great guns. Well, you know, how are Australia playing at the minute? How are New Zealand playing at the minute? Uh, South Africa is struggling a little bit. India have been pretty good. I just think there's like three or four teams better than us, basically. And we're not in enough nick to out to outplay them. Um, that That would be my summation of it. And why I think, yeah, we're, we're a couple of percentage points down in, in, in confidence on, on what we were last year. Yeah, so your summation is uh, if England are not playing, don't have a clue. But I get, sense, I get the sense I get the sense there's a there's quite a few teams that are probably better than us. Yeah, uh, but exactly. <laughs> but I'm hoping on the, the day we can beat them. <laughs> I'm hoping it's just close enough as it is with all of these. All these teams are very good at cricket. You know, the cream of the crop of men's international cricket, and it's just it's a, it's an on the day job, isn't it? Especially with T20s. And luckily for England, on their day, they will go and do it. So that's the positivity if you're an England fan as you know they can do it and they will and as i said winning those two must win games into this series has got to have done that whole group a heck of a lot of good going into a tournament like this um so yeah i, I think the reintegration of butler and stokes i'm guessing which will happen on sunday with that first t20 against australia um and is jordan fit work out how he comes into this team you know make your decision with liam livingston on his fitness and go from there i think that's where we're at Absolutely. and 
it should be it'll be a fun ride again i guess uh, and and luckily and luckily i was just checking the times more importantly whenever they play in australia i'm like oh gosh but it's okay it's evening games in australia nine in the morning here perfect gorgeous awesome for me lovely but, oh, even better see we'll all we'll all be tuned in um so I think that about do I think I think we've we can we've we've analysed that team to death there, Glenn. I think that, that I thing that we have picked apart. Um, and we just got to sit and wait now for more cricket. Um, should we move really briefly on from cricket and talk about football suddenly to wrap up this week's podcast? Yeah. I think we should. I think we should. Um, the Rainstop Play Big Bash FPL League, as I think it's called, it's still it open is. for entrance. Uh, head to our Twitter page at RainstopPod if you want to find the league code to enter. And I am sat in the presence of the current leader, uh, Mr. Glenn Houdahan. Um, tips and tricks for anyone in the league because well tips and tricks we've got the same team by one player which is hilarious we do, we do. Um, no discussion by the way we just we probably watch the same youtubers or something like that <laughs> <laughs> as i know uh, a couple of people in my league do uh but you know if you don't captain harlem what's the point anymore basically and yesterday was kind of proof of that and i know a couple of people didn't captain him and i've got masses of respect for them but you know that's got to suck it's tough, isn't it? So just looking at the top, I guess top three as as um, as a few of us here. Um, so yeah, I am I'm pretty happy to be to be top by one point. Uh, Daniel Whitaker uh, with uh, Ticker United um, is FPL Ticker, I think, um, is just below me. But yeah, as a, by a point. Uh, so I've picked them to the top just this week. And then you, Girls Aloud, one of my favorite team names, uh, 495. So you've actually scored a, a point more than me so far. So I've got 84 so far this game week. Daniel uh, Whitaker's got 71. And you've got a monster score of 85, Dan. Um, yeah, Jared Bowen, mate. Jared Bowen finally oh, coming good. Finally less coming good. Less than 4% ownership. And um, I bought him on my wild card and he blanked. And then he went big against Wolves, which is nice. Which was lovely. I was watching that. It was the last game of the day, right? Yesterday. There's only two, right? Yeah. After the, the carnage in, in Manchester. And um, yeah, I was just hoping. I'd hoping to get something. But yeah, how are you? Obviously, we've got the we've got the World Cup on the horizon. Not just the cricket World Cup, but the football World Cup. How are you feeling about the you know the grand scheme of things uh, for the rest of the season? At least up until that point, up until Christmas. How are you feeling about? We've both dropped a pretty similar wild card. Yeah, and for listeners, that's just what you can. Dropped. Where you can just change your entire team with no penalty. Um, how how are you feeling moving forward, Dan? We'll keep it quick for the listeners, but um, yeah. I think it's I think it's great that we're that we're having it's a catch a real... up chat and we're right <laughs> near the top. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I am too. I think I dropped it at the right time in the end. I was going to wait. But our only issue now, and I say our, because again, the only difference is I have Jack Harrison and you have Wilfred Zaha, and Harrison outscored him by a point. Hence. Uh, Hence my point lead on you this week. <laughs> we both got Madison to play tonight. Mitrovic got injured against Newcastle. And, and he also looked, Yeah, and has also looked terrible. Uh, however, Fulham's fixtures open up after they got West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, Leeds, Everton, next five. So I really don't, I really don't know what to do with him. He's my next sort of dilemma, uh, especially being yellow flagged. Uh, but basically, it's Captain Harland and hope for the best. But I think both... Our midfields have so much differential in them, like low low ownership at the minute in Bowen and Madison. So if they go well, it's great. However, Glenn, I would like to bring up another fantasy game I've just started playing, which is fantasy NFL. Oh, is have, it fun? Well, you basically, you know, you know, like a head-to-head league in FPL. It's like that, but for every game week, I am four and zero against uh, a group of Americans, like actual football guys, um, who are my cousin's friends who live over there. Four and zero. 
absolutely killing it. Now dedicating a heck of a lot of time to that because there's some money on the line that one for that one. Oh, as well. it's so. money. Um, and I, I just, I guess, just to tie it back to cricket, I really hope. I'm sure there will be, but I hope that Cricket Draft runs it. A if if there is, and I'm sure there will be, we'll dig it up. A fantasy game for the Cricket World Cup. We, we love a little World Cup one. They're, they're um, nice and easy and compact to follow them, aren't they? That that can be really fun, and it just gets you a little bit closer, um, a little bit closer to the tournament. Um, so yeah, for listeners, just to tie it back to our current topic, you know, World Cup coming up. There we'll get a range to play fantasy league going. We'll get some prizes yes. for that as well as the World Cup. We'll make Let's it, get make some it stuff going for that. Nice um, one. That'll be a lot of fun. You know, we love our fantasy on this pod. Love um, it. So, um, apart, from really, that, apart from that one time we tried fantasy championship, like county championship on the Telegraph. That week. was hard work. That was really hard work. It was too hard work for us. <laughs> that was like a second job. Um, yeah, I think we've covered every fantasy league possible there, Glenn. So maybe we should wrap it up. Um, thank you for joining me for that little catch up on that cracking series between England and Pakistan. I th- I'm sure we'll be back in a week or so. We'll, we'll chat about these T20s against Australia. See if we've learned anything more. Who knows? Uh, but Glenn, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Love you to catch up, Dan. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. Um, we will be back at some time soon when something happens with an update uh, ahead of this big, big World Cup coming up. Probably a World Cup preview, I imagine. Sounds about like, right, isn't it? That's Ooh. probably going to be the next one. We could potentially have another Minnows special, I think, for That'll whoever qualifies. We could, we could re-Minnow this stuff up because last year's one was very, very fun. So look out for that. Look out for a World Cup preview coming up. Uh, the World Cup starts in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll chat about those T20s with England and Australia as well. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you very soon. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.